Hi, this is Dan from Oceanside. You must have run out of podcasts because you're currently listening to I Doubt It with Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right. Episode 190 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host. At it again. Back in the saddle. Jesse Dollamore. Sitting across from me, my lovely co-host, who is eager to get this over with. To finally get episode 190 in the books, Brittany Page. Uh, when you say it like that, it sounds so negative. No, no, no. It's not like you're like, ah, fuck, let's get this over with. But it's like you've been waiting to tackle some of the topics that we're going to talk about today for a while. Mm-hmm. And because I am a slacker. Yes. Uh, we are now now finally getting to it. Indeed, a slacker. It is nice. It's kind of a reminder when we take off a day that, you know, we have an audience that really anticipates the next show, looks forward to the next program, Mm -hmm. as it were, because we got I, I got a myriad of messages, all kinds of people clamoring what in the fuck is going on. Well, and the deal used to be that we post a... 15 second episode or something yeah like something that would show up in their feed right just kind of give an announcement about what was going on but now when you are being a slacker you're even too lazy to do that (laughs) so we just make an announcement on the facebook page and the twitter page well let me explain why briefly why we didn't show up for what would have been episode 190 on monday why we didn't show up that is right I, I'm falling apart. My body is starting to disintegrate you know, at, pretty much as we speak. You're having a lot of problems. My back, apparently, my back has decided that even sleeping, <laughs> it, it is too much. That's too much physical it's activity? too much for my back <laughs> because I woke up on Wednesday morning in a, it was a shit show. It was shambles. My back was so disagreeable, mm-hmm. <laughs> to say the least. Even now, it doesn't feel great. But but, but here's the deal. Now, something else has happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a, what feels like a 50 cent piece sized canker sore on the (laughs) underside of my tongue right now yeah that is not good and it's under the tongue right where the tongue connects to the bottom of the mouth Uh, so every time i talk it's getting a lot of action oh yeah it is (laughs) it is not good it's not in an area of the mouth where it can just be there and and be left alone that's right it it seems like it's in an area where it's being stretched out almost yeah every time you talk or move your tongue well here's here here's the problem is Right before the mics went hot, I I took the advice of Brett number one, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Oh, put some salt on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that'll that'll do you up. That'll make it not hurt for a while." Did that work? That did not. That inflamed the already terrible situation. So now I have it. it it's not good. My my tongue's not cooperating. My back's not cooperating. I'm just a broken down old turd. So what I have heard is that baking soda is good to put on it because it sucks all the whiteness out. The whiteness? Is is it the whiteness that makes it hurt? Yes. Is this a folklore remedy? No. So when it sucks the white out, then it it is only red. That is fucking racist. And you know how you rub your tongue over it and it burns? Well, when it sucks the white out, then you rub your tongue over it when, when it's just red. It doesn't sting. And I, someone told me about all this. Oh, who was so, it, Deepak Chopra? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, Brittany, you, the most wonderful master of the universe, put the bacon soda on it. 
All right. Well, cool. <laughs> no, that, I, I'm speaking from personal experience. Oh, I that, know. That has I, I worked for me. I believe that someone personally told you no. to put baking soda on a horrible, debilitating canker sore. I know it's very painful at first. So I just want the audience to know and understand that if you hear me fumble fucking my words, well, it is directly because I can't properly navigate. My tongue isn't properly navigating my mouth right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No good. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> this is, is this going to be the the timber of the show? We'll see. The routine. We'll see what we happens. we got a lot, a lot to cover. In fact, let's just get going. Kim Davis, back of the news. We she have was on, listener follow-up. All right. We're not going to get to Kim Davis yet. We do have listener follow-up. We have a, a <laughs> message from a listener about our Taken Care of Biz segment about bullying. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. I just wanted to respond to the Taken Care of Biz segment from episode 189 about the exceptional fifth graders accepting... It seems so long ago. Yes, Episode 189. Accepting a classmate with a learning disability into their group of friends. The thing that really caught my attention was both of your responses that you wish you had been more like this as a kid. This really hit home as this is a common sentiment I have in relation to how I acted as a child as well. I agree with Brittany that anti-bullying campaigns are having a positive effect on this, but I think that is merely the surface of the success and change that has been made. My personal belief as to why we are seeing more and more stories of inclusion like this is that people are being straightforward with kids now. Kids do not innately understand what a cognitive disability is, so don't beat yourselves up too much for your past transgressions. Talking about disabilities is no longer taboo in the educational community, and therefore we can educate kids about what some of their peers may be dealing with. We as a society have even changed the way we talk about individuals who have disabilities. Advocates encourage speaking in person first terms, such as John has autism, not John is autistic. John's disability is something he has to live with, yes, but it does not define who he is. I find it strange that physical disabilities were widely recognized as well as accommodated for inclusion, but up until recently, seclusion was the solution for any cognitive disability, not inclusion. I am happy to see this is changing in the way individuals with disabilities are educated, and with this, I think it is having the social effect of inclusion as well. Like Jesse said during the segment, even as adults, it is not too late. We all have someone in our life that is that kid. I encourage you to act on that. It would make someone's day, maybe even week. A final thought I would like to end with is the motto of, of the advocacy group, Autism Speaks. Autism Speaks, it's time to listen. Best wishes, Daniel from Boise, Idaho. We, he left off something. Love the show, Brittany's the best part. <laughs> Which seems to be a mantra uh, with our audience lately. Now, not everyone shares the sentiment. Here, here, we have an awesome audience. We have an informed audience. We have a passionate audience. I would say this. I hope that I didn't... I mean, it was when I was a high school kid, so you know, even if I was a terrible asshole, which I was kind of, but mainly just to teachers and adults. But um, I don't want the audience to have the impression that I was just willy-nilly making fun of, of cognitive... of children, peers at the time, who were cognitively... Uh, disabled or mm-hmm. had issues. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about just being a kind of a dick in general. I never would have dreamed of making fun of someone with cognitive impairment or disability or or issues. Never. That that wasn't just that wasn't my 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 giddy up. Yeah, you, you know what I yeah. mean. Yeah, I hope I didn't come off like that either. I think I I think we both were just trying to make the point that we wish that we would have been more inclusive yeah of everybody but it's hard when you're a kid and you're so self-conscious and the school is already divided into cliques and you're oh, trying yeah. to find your place and it's hard to rise above all that and reach out and just be kind yeah to everybody and be friends with everybody well, see, that that's where this story from episode 189 if you haven't heard it it's at the end of the episode with taking care of biz um that's where this story really resonated with me because they didn't just not bully they went the extra mile right and included the kid into their circle of friends going as far as to buy him with their own money 
you know, a PlayStation and, and really, really going the extra mile, which right. to me is what was so extraordinary. Yeah. All right. Thank you for the for the for the email. Of course, if you want to communicate with the show, 657-464-7609. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Now, on to our follow-up segment with Kim Davis. She sat down with conservative nutter butter Christian weirdo Sandy Rios and had a conversation about how Kim Davis was specifically hand-picked by God Almighty to champion the battle against the horrible homosexual population of the United States of America. Kim sitting next to me. Kim, you know, I was rereading, of course I followed the case and uh, very closely, and I was rereading again today the circumstances, and you had a lot of people working with you. You had a lot of people who were, you know, church people from Kentucky in that office, and people in Kentucky, probably even the judge who put you in jail was a church person, because that's the way it is in Kentucky. But it's interesting to me how God shows you. You know, a, a person who, you know, not a Sunday school teacher, not a Republican, <laughs> and, and you know, and, and you know, with a, you know, not the standard, uh, this is like God. This is so like God. Uh, and so he chose you, and you, out of your passion and love for him, just was not about to bend. But other people who with longer history, you know, being church folk, they bent. They, they folded, even in your office. I read that. That must have been crushing to you. Well, you know, I had weighed the cost for myself. I couldn't put my conscience on anybody else. So. I know, but it's still disappointing. It's hurtful. We listen. We all of us that stand on the front lines here are disappointed all the time, and it's all you know. You'd rather have your you know work again, fight your enemies, than be uh, disappointed by your friends. That's hard. How has this, besides the obvious, how has this changed your life, Kim? Well, it's given me a, a deeper appreciation for um, the keeping and sustaining power of my God. Um, you know, he's a mighty God, and through all of this, I've realized that his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient and for me. I have me. to consider it a joy to be um, chosen, oh. to make a stand, and to, and to defend my God's word. It's the infallible word of God. It is, and I, you know, it is tr what you said is true. Let's, let's say that again. You were chosen, Kim. I just, I know that God picked you, plucked you out, and uh, for better or for worse. And trust me, it'll be better. You know, it will be because wh where would you go without Him? Where would we go? Yeah. Who else would we turn to? <laughs> we know that He holds the everlasting keys. You know, so uh, it's a great place to be, as hard as it is. <laughs> that is just like God. That is so like God to just uh, do that. This is like God. This is so like God. <laughs> What what is? Oh, that rapscallion! That's so like him, just picking you out. You're not even a Republican. Uh, <laughs> that was the most confusing part. And then when the woman said, uh, "You know, those of us on the front lines," she's talking about the front lines for Jesus. Oh yeah, Brittany Page. It's the front yeah. lines of Jesus. Uh, come and save the sinner. It's it's just a abhorrent. very it's a very narcissistic idea to think that the creator of the universe, according to these individuals, selected Kim Davis to <laughs> fight against gay marriage. Is there anything else that's maybe more important than that, that someone could be selected to address? No, Brittany. Disease, not important. Childhood cancer and leukemia, unimportant to God. God is concerned with with making creating people homosexual and commanding them to not be honestly i i kind of am curious about the logic here and would be curious to ask them wouldn't that make you angry that god is personally selecting someone to address gay marriage but not you know female genital mutilation or right. horrible cancer yes. i mean Something is wrong here with the logic, right? No, they, it, this, this runs hand in hand with the last YouTube video that I made about built-in bigotry of Christianity. Getting a little plug in there, Why huh? Why are you laughing? You're getting I'm ready to laugh. I'm not laughing. I'm smiling very... Broadly. Yes. 
because I'm just so happy that you got a plug in. I'm so excited. Well, it, all jokes aside, it's true. This is exactly what the video deals with, which is Christians are told that you're going to be persecuted for your beliefs. You're going to be made fun of and wear it as a badge of honor because you know you're doing the right thing for Jesus. On the front lines. Right. Oh, you're on the front lines. Mm-hmm. It's us against them. Going through the trenches. We are separate. Many are called, Brittany Page, and few are chosen to be in the front lines for Jesus. Yeah. It's terrible. Few are chosen. Kim Davis. Terrible. Chosen. Uh, this is like God. This is so like God. <laughs> so like <laughs> It's God. like she's venting about her boyfriend or right. something. This is so like Curtis. That's so like Randy. Oh, that's that guy. <laughs> All right. I wonder why we chose Curtis and Randy. That's those are kind of unusual names. Uh, to well, select. I just was trying to think of like a, the dumbest name I could think of. <laughs> Hopefully, there's no Randys listening. <laughs> oh, that's so like Todd. Okay, that's better. <laughs> I know so many Todds. <laughs> All right. Next up, it looks like the Oregon militia. Just to refresh your memory, there is a group of militiamen led by Mormons, Eamon, and whatever the other guys, Ryan Bundy, right? Uh, that's not something that I committed to memory. Oh, right. I'm sorry about that. Well, they are, they have taken over a, a national wildlife refuge building, set of buildings in a, in a wilderness area on federal land. And it looks like this thing might be over, and there have been several arrests, and one gentleman was killed in a shootout during the traffic stop. There was a press conference early today, and the sheriff, amongst other people, the FBI, and a state's attorney gave a speech, but the Oregon, the local sheriff is who I want to point out and give give his viewpoint on this because he's so close to the matter. Good morning, I'm Sheriff Dave Ward. I've been working on peaceful resolution of this problem since November 5th when several of the uh, individuals arrested yesterday came into my office. They had uh, ultimatums that I couldn't meet. I'm here to uphold the law. I'm disappointed that a traffic stop yesterday that was supposed to bring peaceful resolution to this ended badly. Multiple agencies, uh, law enforcement agencies, put a lot of work into doing, putting together the best tactical plan they could to take these guys down peacefully and find some resolution to these issues that we're going through in our community. It didn't have to happen. We all make choices in life. Sometimes our choices go bad. He seems torn up about it. The occupation at the refuge and the actions of some of the folks down there have created a lot of stress in our community. Uh, it hasn't just been isolated to the refuge. I think that's a point that gets missed quite a bit. Some of these folks have spent a lot of time in town trying to stir some issues within the community. If it was as simple as just waiting out some folks down there to get out of some buildings, we could have waited a lot longer. But this has been tearing our community apart. It's time for everybody in this illegal occupation to move on. There doesn't have to be bloodshed in our community. If we have issues with the way things are going in our government, we have a responsibility as citizens to act on those in an appropriate manner. We don't arm up. It, we don't arm up and rebel 
We work through the appropriate channels. This can't happen anymore. This can't happen in America, and it can't happen in Harney County. Thank you. Quit pounding. <laughs> Quit pounding on the podium, Sheriff. <laughs> Clearly a law enforcement agent and not a public speaker. We apparently are kindred spirits. You love to pound on the table. So before this, an FBI agent got up, the special agent in charge. He explained that they had now have a roadblock blocking anyone from returning unless you have your ID and you happen to have land back there or business back there if you're an, an actual rancher. But no militiamen were allowed in at all. And they're allowing people to leave, the, the remaining militia people, they're allowing them to leave, if, but they're going to be, their vehicles are going to be cataloged, their IDs are going to be taken, not taken, but they're going to be registered. They're going to be listed so they know who they were. They didn't say they were going to arrest them. They're going to allow them to leave. Meanwhile, Eamon Bundy, who is now in jail, speaking through his attorney, is asking the militants to go home. First of all, we should tell you that things remain very tense at the scene as you still have a number of occupiers who are still at that refuge, and it's unclear how or when this is going to end. As you just said, Ammon Bundy, the leader, is telling them to go home, but who knows if they will heed that call. In terms of what happened last night, authorities clearly had been planning for this. You had a number of occupiers who were going to a community meeting, and uh, officials seized upon the moment. They affected a traffic arrest. And it looked like it was going to be peaceful, but you had two people who put up a fight and uh, there was gunfire. Uh, you had one person who was killed, a 54-year-old Arizona rancher uh, named Lavoy Finicum, who had previously said that he was willing to die uh, for this cause. Uh, authorities, if they were hoping that this was going to end, uh, clearly they are wrong because you still have a number of people who are still dug in at the refuge. Anderson? And, and so Ammon Bundy has been making comments through, through his attorney, right? That's right. Uh, Ammon Bundy making comments through his attorney, uh, telling people in his own words uh, for people to go home, go home and hug their families. Uh, again, uh, we're not seeing any movement uh, there at the refuge of people uh, even wanting to leave. It seems like uh, they are hell bent on staying there for a long time. Uh, one thing we should also note, Anderson, is that the federal complaint uh, was unsealed today and, and something in there was particularly interesting. It said that authorities had reason to believe that the occupiers had explosives and night vision goggles. That is the first time we've heard that, but we should point out that we don't know if officials actually verify the presence of explosives. And do we Anderson? know how many of them are left at the wildlife refuge that, they're, uh, that they took over? It's really un unclear at this point. Uh, it looks like uh, there's less than 10, maybe somewhere between 5 and 10. Um, clearly, officials were hoping that with the leadership now uh, firmly in custody that the remaining people uh, would surrender. Maybe Ammon Bundy's message will get through to them. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. So I spent too many hours today. If there are between 5 and 10 people left, I spent way too much time on YouTube today watching the live feeds that they were, it seemed like it was just a backhoe doing digging in the ground the entire time. Uh -huh. But every once in a while, this seemingly crazed member of this militia would come to the camera and scream all kinds of nuttiness. Here is a delicious little treat for all of you people who are interested in the mentality and the type of person that has holed himself up at this National Wildlife Refuge. Media's been ordered to leave. That means they're coming to kill us, and they don't want them to see that. They're gonna murder all of us, and the media's are cowards. Stay and show the truth! Show the truth! And you can hear in the background the, the backhoe running, b banging on the ground and doing its work. And then several minutes would pass, and this same gentleman would return to the camera. Media's been waiting for a bloodbath this whole time we've been here. Now there's going to be one, and they're running. They're told to run. 
because the feds don't want to know who's murdering us? American people better wake up, get here, and fight for your country! Right now! It is on! What you gonna do, what you gonna do when the, when the militia comes after you, FBI? That's another dude. There Yikes. were two two gentlemen. Wow. There, I saw at least three. And then there were you hear women's voices. There are, you know, if it is five to ten, I saw quite a few of these people. Here is the final clip that I will provide for your entertainment and information. All you military that's been fighting for your country overseas, you can fight for your country right here in America. Get here. Get some. This is history in the making. There are no laws in this United States now. This is a free-for-all Armageddon. Any Leo or military or law enforcement or feds that stand up and fuck their oath, don't abide by their oath, are the enemy. They stop you from getting here. Kill them. Um. So. Yikes. Yikes. Number yeah. one. <laughs> right. And then number two, he said, "There's no laws anymore." Well, I guess that depends on who you're hanging out with. Right. It's a free for all, Brittany. Yeah. Because <laughs> did not get that memo. Right. There seem to be laws here in <laughs> in the Los Angeles area. There definitely appears to be. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't. Uh, I wouldn't take his word for it. I. <laughs> I'm not going to. Yeah. Apparently, what are those movies where Armageddon is no, the word no. that he used? One night you get to go kill everybody. Oh yeah, I don't know. Rogue or or whatever those movies are. Apparently, this guy has been watching them uh, in a loop. <laughs> and someone told him it was the news. Right. He said, right. hey, come come watch the news right now. Look what's happening. Yeah. You can just go kill anybody. Laws are they just turned them off. They yeah. flipped the switch for the night. So anyway, that's what the the FBI, that is what the local authorities have been dealing with for the past month and a half or two months, and uh, it looks like it is coming to an end. So that is uh, is good news, is it not? It is very good news. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode, as much or as little as you'd like. Comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward, one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Thank you, Austin, our latest and greatest member of the Patreon army on the front lines for Jesus. Austin, thank you very much. We appreciate your support. And it really does mean a lot to us to help us in helping move the conversation forward. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. And every one of you who gives through Patreon and PayPal are are very special to us. Yes. So thank you, Austin. And thank you, everybody. So a debate is going to happen today for you today, tomorrow for us. Actually, no, today. Today for us, too. Yep. <laughs> 12.13 a.m., everybody. Slackers. So, we will be covering that, and it will be available via the Patreon page and via password on dollamore.com. So, look forward to that. Dollamocracy 2016. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Oh, my God. You take one day off. And everything goes to hell. Oh, yeah. So much to talk about. This is the problem with taking a day off is it just piles up. In the days leading up to where we are today, a a mock, or not really a mock debate, but a debate that had no teeth because they don't have the power to do so, took place on the in, in the United Kingdom Parliament about the, the possibility or the prospect of banning Donald Trump from entering the country, the country in which he owns lots of property, lots of business. He owns St. Andrews, probably the most famous golf course on the planet. 
This is Brooke Baldwin on CNN talking to a gentleman about those debates. Let's go to London for this one. And my colleague, uh, Max Foster. Max, uh, listen, it's fascinating to hear all this back and forth, but let, let's just be real. I mean, Parliament can actually, they cannot ban Donald Trump from coming to the UK. So what's, what's this really about? What was the point? Well, there was this petition, basically, which gathered a huge amount of momentum and gained more than 500,000 signatures. And as a result, Parliament decided to hold a debate. And it's the first time I can remember where three hours of parliamentary time was dedicated to discussing banning one person. It normally just comes up in terms of questions to the Prime Minister, for example. So it was quite an extraordinary moment. It doesn't have any teeth. It didn't lead to a vote and a ban. The Home Secretary only can decide on that. But now she's got all of this information to consider. And if the debate rises, then perhaps she will consider a ban. But you, you felt some of it there. There was some really strong language. Uh, someone called him bonkers, a wazzock. Others said he was poisonous. Uh, and there's only one voice, really, that supported his straight talking. Uh, most people were very negative about him, but there was this firm split about whether or not a ban would help at all, because it would, as you heard there from Paul Flynn, who was leading the debate, it might bestow victimhood on him. That might help him in his U.S. election effort. Much preferred in the debate was the idea to invite him over and uh, to ask him to show people where these no-go areas are in the UK spoken about and perhaps to take him to a mosque to meet British Muslims. So a strongly worded debate, no teeth, but does play into a debate which might lead to a ban, possibly, Brooke. And here are excerpts from that very debate. This ridiculous individual, uh, that is Mr Trump, uh, may, be elected, <laughs> may be elected as President of the United States. The great danger by attacking this one man is that we can fix on him a halo of victimhood. We give him the role of martyrdom, which can seem to be an advantage among those that support him. I've heard of a number of um, cases where people have been excluded for incitement and for hatred, I've never heard of one for stupidity. And I'm not sure that we should be starting now. You're talking about a candidate for the presidency of the United States. Isn't it up for the American people to decide whether his views are objectionable? Not you guys. <laughs> Why does everything sound better when said with a British accent? I know, they're being dicks. <laughs> and... They sound so professional about it. They're all laughing about how ridiculous uh, Donald bully, Trump is. Bully, huh? Right, but it, it sounds like they're, you know, praising him with compliments yeah. because of the accents. So funny. But think about that. It's another country. That's right. Talking about the leading presidential candidate and laughing. Right. Well, and also talking about not allowing him to enter the country. <laughs> yeah. That's goddamn. And calling him a ridiculous person. <laughs> And then laughing. And making jokes about how you can't really ban someone for stupidity, for being dumb. Yeah, I mean, this is embarrassing. <laughs> this is very embarrassing. Real good. Real, real good. So that is happening. The other thing is early in the week, Donald Trump was bragging about what sh the, the wonderful levels of support that he has and made an odd comment about what he could get away with and still not lose the support of the faithful Trumpians. The people, my people are so smart. And you know what else they say about my people? The polls. They say, I have the most loyal people. Did you ever see that? Where I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? It's like incredible. <laughs> I don't have people speaking in my ear and telling me like, oh, you shouldn't say this, you shouldn't say that all of these different people. I don't have lobbyists with me. I know the lobbyists. I mean, I've used the lobbyists. I mean, I've done very well with lobbyists. But believe me, they, they control your candidates. So, I mean, obviously, that's no surprise to anyone who's listened to Trump for any time at all. The thing that's really not getting the coverage that I believe that it deserves from both CNN and these other, every other network is the fact that Donald Trump continuously retweets racist shit from not even affiliated white supremacist groups, but people who have like white power and shit in their goddamn Twitter name. Right. So this, the most recent one that was re 
the most recent one that was reported was at white genocide TM. Right. And white genocide is, of course, this phrase that is being used by white supremacists to suggest that interracial marriage or interracial relations is are creating babies who are mixed race, which is a white. It's the genocide of pure white people. Thank you. Yeah. So he, sorry, sorry. No, that's great. So he retweeted a picture of Jeb Bush dressed like a homeless person ho- holding a sign that says vote Trump. And it says, poor Jeb, I could have sworn I saw him outside Trump Tower the other day. So he retweeted this tweet. It's not a racist tweet, but it comes from an account that says white genocide. Right. TM. And so when you're going through Donald Trump's feed, there's, you know, well, a white genocide. We covered it on a, a, a previous episode, very recent previous episode, where he is, he's retweeting things from accounts that say their location is Jumerica. He's, he's clearly very entrenched in this particular group. So Marshall Kirkpatrick of social media analytics company Little Bird took a look at the 21 people Donald Trump has recently retweeted this week and discovered that six of them follow major white nationalist accounts and 13 of them follow multiple accounts that have used the white genocide hashtag. So he's retweeting several people that right. have connections to white supremacist movements. Right. You know how many accounts I follow who are associated with white supremacies, uh, Brittany? I would hope that it's zero. It's zero. So, and you know how many times I've retweeted to to get the word out about what a what a wonderful thought they had? Zero. <laughs> I have retweeted racist tweets before. Only to showcase jackassery. Yes. But that- Donald Trump's not doing it to, hey, look at this asshole. He's doing it to, hey, look at this guy. He's really smart. Well, and it's, some might say, well, he doesn't know it's a racist account. But if Come you on. if you yeah. see that it says white genocide in their Twitter username, right. then maybe stay away from retweeting that person. That's right. That's all. He even has a spokesperson, Katrina Pearson is her name, who was tweeting about, we want... Uh, when are we going to have a pure breed in the White House again? Obviously making uh, reference to the fact that Obama is half black. What year is and this? half white. Yeah, no kidding. What year is this? Yeah. Here she is with Brian Stelter on CNN. Now, this is obviously big news because this is a very well-funded super PAC that's now taking aim at you and your candidate. Uh, do you have any reaction to that? Are you surprised to hear that, that uh, Hillary Clinton's allies are now preparing for a battle with your candidate in the general election? Well, no, Brian, we're not surprised at all. I mean, as we have seen across this country, there is more and more support for Donald Trump and his candidacy. A lot of people believe in his vision and what he proposes to make America great again. When you look at his broad base of support, it is eating at the Democrat support out there. We're looking at uh, even minorities and women that have supported Donald Trump's campaign, and so they should be very nervous. And that's why so many Republicans are now coming to Donald Trump's aid, because they know he is our best chance at winning in the general election. And your comment from 2012 has gotten a lot of attention this weekend. You tweeted about Barack Obama and Mitt Romney. You tweeted about how Obama's father was from Africa. You said, are there any pure breeds left? Do you regret that? Would you like to retract that? No, not at all. Look, these tweets, I'm an activist. And I am a half-breed. I'm always getting called a half-breed. And on Twitter, when you're fighting with liberals and even establishment, you you go back at them in the same silliness they're giving you. So I myself am a half-breed. You're telling me that was just silliness? Absolutely. All right, I'll take your word about that. But this is the thing, Brian. This is the thing. We have entered silly season. Donald Trump is up in the polls again. There's desperate campaigns out there. They can't take him down, so they try to take down the people that are around him. And we're just not going to get distracted by all that nonsense. I don't know about enter. I think we've been in silly season for a while. But I'm just wondering what circles she's running in, if yeah. she's regularly being called a half-breed. Right. I mean, is she like Cher's best friend or something? And I am a half breed. I'm always getting called a half breed. It's a good song. <laughs> right? I didn't know that this existed. It's an enjoyable tune. Right. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, uh, listen, this is the people he surrounds himself with. These are the people that are working diligently to get him uh, elected president of the United States. It's it's no wonder that he. I, I don't know. Goddamn. It makes me sick. It's probably not good for the canker sore either. <laughs> it's inflamed even more. Stress. Even more. Stress isn't good for it. So here we are. This brings us to what is happening right now related to Donald Trump. And it is a battle, a battle royale between Donald Trump and Fox News. Yeah, it's very intense. The debate that's happening to, today is, is a Fox News debate. It's a rematch of the original debate where Donald Trump was asked by Megyn Kelly about his disrespectful sexist things about women being fat pigs and slobs. And dogs. And how they would look real good on their knees. Mm-hmm. Classy. Yeah, real classy. So Presidents. It all started Saturday in an interview with Blitz, good old Blitz, Wolf Blitzer, over at CNN, Donald Trump sat down with Blitz and they talked <laughs> debates. With Blitz. Very much. Let's get some more now. I sat down earlier today with Donald Trump in his New York office. We spoke about the race for the White House. Before Iowa, there's a Republican debate Thursday night. Fox is uh, hosting that debate. Uh, you and Megyn Kelly have had issues. She's one of the moderators. Are you going to be at that Fox debate? Well, probably. I mean, I don't like her. Uh, she doesn't treat me fairly. I'm not a big fan of hers at all. I don't care. I mean, she was, she probably was, the, I might be the best thing that ever happened to her. I don't know, because no, whoever even heard of her before the last debate. <laughs> but I thought she was very unfair in the last debate. A lot of people said I won that debate. Everybody said I won the last debate. Uh, but I'm not a fan of Megyn Kelly. I don't like her. She probably doesn't like me, and that's okay. But she better be fair. Uh, I'd like to go to the debate. I enjoy the debates. I've done well in the debates. Every single poll has said I've won every debate. But uh, we're going to see what happens. Going to be exciting. When you say probably, you haven't a hundred percent decided no, you will be nothing. A hundred percent. Why not? I just have. I'm not a hundred percent. I'll see if I think I'm going to be treated unfairly. I do something else. But I don't think she can treat me fairly. Actually, I think she's very biased, and I don't think she can treat me fairly. But that doesn't mean I don't do the debate. I like doing the debates. I've won every single debate according to every poll. I've won every single debate. I think the debates have been good. You know, after the last debate, I went up 11 points in the poll. I went up 11 points right after the debate. The poll came out. I went up 11 points because of the debate. So I want to do the debates. They're good for me. But I don't think she can treat me fairly. And I'm not a big fan of hers. Maybe I know too much about her. Maybe I know too much about her. Mm-hmm. And clearly, he, he is to, to, to credit should be given to Donald Trump for her success because no one even knew who the second most popular anchor on Fox News, the most popular cable news outlet, no one even knew who she was before the last debate, Brittany Page. Yeah. Probably was the, I might be the best thing that ever happened to her. I don't know, because no, whoever even heard of her before the last debate. Yeah. I, I had heard of her. She's had a prime time <laughs> news show. For at least two years, I think. And then before that, she's had a prominent news show that just wasn't in the primetime nightly schedule. She dominates in the ratings for her time slot. Wherever dominates. she is. Dominates. Wherever she is. Yes. And especially now. <laughs> so that's so, ridiculous. Very funny. So the other thing is here. This was in the works from Saturday. In my estimation, in my analysis... He had planned to not go to this debate early on. There's strategy involved here. This isn't just, oh, I don't like the press releases that are going out, so I'm not going to go. I'm angry. Right. He's, he's really, this was orchestrated. It's, it's in the cards. Early on, before the thing really blew up, they were talking about it, with, and they had no cause to. Here is Shep. In only the way that Shep can on Fox News talking about the fiasco. The Trump campaign swears that this time he is serious. Donald Trump really will not show up for tomorrow's GOP debate here on Fox News Channel. This is the third time he's threatened to boycott a debate. First, CNN over advertising rates. Then, CNBC over debate length. 
Now it's Fox News for any number of available and ready reasons, one of which, which may or may not be the real thing. It started at the first GOP debate when Megyn Kelly quoted Trump's comments about some women. Trump said it was unfair and biased. And then he called Megyn Kelly all sorts of names on Twitter. He demanded Fox News replace her as a moderator tomorrow. The network refused and pointed out the leaders of Iran and Russia might also treat him unfairly if he becomes president. After that, Trump took shots at Fox News and our chairman and accused this channel of playing games. On with Brett Baer last night, he said we'll discuss it. Minutes later in a news conference, he said he probably will not be at the debate. And minutes later, his campaign manager said it's a done deal. He definitely won't be there and that Trump's word is his bond. Though Trump has not actually ever worded the whole I won't be there part, his word people worded that, so who knows? <laughs> that said, instead of the debate, his campaign officials say Trump will hold a fundraiser in Iowa for veterans and wounded warriors. That has some critics accusing Trump of pandering. Conservative commentator Bill Kristol tweeted, and I quote, Trump using wounded vets for campaign stunt is disgusting. If Trump wanted to help vets, he could quietly write checks to groups helping them. Trump's decision to skip the debate is also fueling his Republican rivals. His closest competitor in Iowa, Ted Cruz, is challenging Trump to a one-on-one, -on -one, mano a mano debate. Cruz tweeted about Donald Trump, quote, trembling at being questioned by Megyn Kelly. In fact, Trump himself once accused candidates who would not debate of being cowards. This was back in 2011 when Trump sat down in his office with Megyn Kelly. So far, only Newt Gingrich and Rick Santorum have agreed. Are you We're still... not seeing a lot of courage here, are we? I don't mean, not so far. Not lots of courage. You are know, you these still Republicans are supposed, supposed to be to... brave. Supposed to be brave. Now, critics on Twitter who say Trump is trying to duck some tough questions are using the hashtag <laughs> Donald Duck. All this as a new Monmouth University poll shows Trump with a wide lead in Iowa days before the caucuses there. He's jumped 11 points since last month to the biggest lead ever in this particular survey, while Ted Cruz has essentially held steady. We will see, relative to what those polls indicate, those are national polls we've talked in the past, those don't necessarily mean anything. What we need to really focus on right now is his numbers in Iowa, his numbers in New Hampshire, and his numbers in South Carolina. Those are what are eminent and what really matter because going forward, it will either diminish his support or or lead to some momentum in the subsequent races. So I love that clip of Donald Trump and Megyn Kelly from a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. Where he says, oh, the courage. Republicans are supposed to have courage. Yeah. I wonder what happens in his narcissistic brain when he watches that video because he is not being courageous right now. That's right. And he was just a couple years ago criticizing people who didn't want to step up to the plate and answer tough questions. So I'm confused. In that same clip, he also, at the end of the clip, praises Megyn Kelly. Here it is. A good idea, and I think we get very good ratings. I get good ratings. The Apprentice gets good ratings. That's why we're in season 12. I get the ratings, and a lot of people would watch. And I think, again, I'd cover things that a lot of people wouldn't cover. And I think I know the issues better than most, if not almost all. I mean, I know moderators that are doing debates that don't even know what they're talking about. They're just asking questions. They don't even know what the question means. So I think we would do very well. We'll have to see what happens. I mean, one of the problems that we're having is they want me to give up the possibility of doing the independent run. And while it's not something I want to do, it's not something that I'm going to give up. Do you really think that you're a better moderator than I am? No, I could never beat you. That wouldn't even be close. There would be no contest. You have done a great job, by the way, and I mean it. Thank you. I'm glad we cleared that up. We're good. Uh I am glad we cleared that up. Donald Duck. <laughs> All right. Here, though, it really is the piece de resistance of this entire thing. <laughs> wow. This is like one of those, when you look in the mirror and you hold a mirror up to the mirror and it's like a million mirrors. Yeah. <laughs> this is Megyn Kelly reporting on Megyn Kelly. Mm. So, how did we arrive here? Earlier today, Donald Trump posted this video. Megyn Kelly's really biased against me. She knows that, I know that, everybody knows that. Do you really think she can be fair at a debate? 
He also posted a Twitter poll asking his followers if he should even participate in the debate. He had already been told by Fox News that I would. Fox News later today released this tongue-in-cheek statement that read, quote, We learned from a secret back channel that the Ayatollah and Putin both intend to treat Donald Trump unfairly when they meet with him if he becomes president. A nefarious source tells us that Trump has his own secret plan to replace the cabinet with his Twitter followers to see if he should even go to those meetings. Further, Fox News chief, uh, our chairman, our chief executive, Roger Ailes, said, quote, Megyn Kelly is an excellent journalist and the entire network stands behind her. She will absolutely be on the debate stage on Thursday night. And just now, he announced he will not. Britt Hume is our Fox News senior political analyst. Britt, your thoughts? Well, I think this is partly about you. That's pretty clear. He's never gotten, Trump's never gotten over that first question you asked him, which, you know, I, you know to me at least, and I think to any other reasonable journalist, was a completely fair and relevant question. I mean, what's interesting here is Trump is not used to not controlling things as the, as the chief executive of a large organization. But... The truth is, he doesn't get to control the media. And while he's made his position clear about me uh, after that first debate, Roger Ailes made his position clear, too. And, you know, when Trump started it up again this past Saturday and then resumed it again and again and again and again, he was told repeatedly, our debate team is settled. And then came that Instagram video he put out today, followed by the company statements. Well, Megan, it's, news organizations uh, need, to the greatest extent possible, on events like this and in their coverage generally, to be neutral in their approach. So if, if a news organization sets the terms of the debate, makes them public, uh, sets forth who will be doing the questioning, people can either accept or not accept. Um, Trump, it appears, decided he would not accept. He's free to do that. What he's not free to do and what no news organization would allow would be for, for him to in some way dictate the terms of the debate. Uh, and I don't know why he thought it was possible to do that. Remember, he had early, in an earlier debate, he was demanding some country, CNN debate, I think he was demanding some donations be made and so forth. They weren't and he showed up anyway. It looks to me like this time he's so far out on the limb and not showing up that he won't show up. You know, the, the company released it in August that the same debate team that hosted the first debate would host this debate. Then there was a, an official press release in early December. Nothing's changed, uh, but as we got closer to it, and as we're a week away from Iowa, his tune changed, and he resumed the rally uh, to try to change uh, the, the debate team as settled by this company. Make no mistake about it, Megan, this act by Trump will not hurt him a bit among his hardcore followers. As far as they concern, they're concerned, you know, he could take off all his clothes and run down Broadway tomorrow and they would say, look, hey, that's great, it shows he's not politically correct. <laughs> so this won't, this won't move the needle with them at all. Um, my only question would be whether this is a smart move with regard to the voters in Iowa who may serious people that they are be looking at this and expecting to see him in the debate and perhaps those who were undecided and there's some number of those were hoping to get a better sense of him and of the other candidates and if he doesn't show up I don't know how well this is going to go down with them it's impossible to say Brett, it's great to see you thanks Megan I'll be there Brett's already there. I think Wallace is coming today. I'm not sure, but uh, we're, the, the debate will go on uh, with or without Mr. Trump. That's a good point, though, is the, the, seriousness, which with, the seriousness with which... Canker sore. <laughs> the serious with... The se Goddamn. Wow. The seriousness with which the Iowa voters take the first caucus, the first primary right. in the country, in the presidential race. It's yeah. a big deal for them. Yeah. And I think it might be a slight, especially if it's spun and this narrative keeps getting talked about, that he's disrespecting us. He's disrespecting the process. And we don't like it. Well, he's holding a counter event now. He says that. And saying that it's going to benefit the veterans. Right. So. Pandering bullshit yeah, is what that is. We'll see how that goes. I still think I, would, I wouldn't rule out a surprise, very Trump-esque, uh, you know, arrival and have him be like, ah, 
Joke's on you, fuckers. I do what I want to do, and I'm here for the debate now. I wouldn't rule that out. I mean, That would look, be so annoying. I'm not predicting that, but it certainly wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. Right. Yeah. So let's get off of Trump. And good news, we finally have a presidential candidate, a viable pri- presidential candidate, who has renounced any involvement with organized religion. Bernie Sanders is opening up about his religious views and his Jewish heritage, saying he believes generally... He lives in Jew America, Brittany. Right. (laughs) Saying he believes generally in God, but not necessarily organized religion. The man who has the potential to become the nation's first Jewish president has generally shielded away from talk of his upbringing and his faith. But in an interview with the Washington Post published on Wednesday, Sanders said he was not actively involved with organized religion. Quote, I think everyone believes in God in their own ways. Uh, uh, Anyway. To me, (laughs) it means that all of us are connected. All of life is connected and that we are tied together. Quote, Deepak Chopra, 2016. So this is this is a good thing. And then it's kind of confusing because but but here's where the issue lies. Someone who is an atheist cannot and will not be elected president. Not right now. So he can't say that. Right. So he has to say, well, yeah, I I believe in a God. And then he gives just this idea of loving people. Right. Well, that's not a God. We're all connected. Right. Is that that's God? Right. But the wires in your in your wall that lead electricity from one place to another. That's connectedness. That's God. No, that's a wire. So he has to use the (laughs) word God, though. Or else people are going to be fearful. So it's mild pandering. It's mild pandering. It is progress and it's good. No, I think so. But it is mild pandering still. It's groundbreaking. Yes, it is. It's a big deal. It's huge. Yeah. Because everyone always, you know, professes their belief in God. Marco Rubio putting out actual campaign ads where all it is is get saved. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. God, God, God. Same with Jeb Bush. Yeah, for sure. That's good. It's progress. I am going to end this segment of Dollamocracy with something real, real good. In the spirit of campaign songs. You guys get ready because (laughs) this has been stuck in my head all night. We dragged a commercial from late, late last year. the, The Carson campaign, the Ben Carson campaign. The sole African American in the race, he he really he swung for the fences on this one and went exactly where he probably shouldn't have gone for a political ad. Without further ado, I share with you maybe the greatest campaign ad of this election cycle. Here, vote, vote, inspire. In 2016, and support Ben Carson for our next president and be awesome. America became a great nation early on, not because it was flooded with politicians, but because it was flooded with people who understood the value of personal responsibility, hard work, creativity, innovation, and that's what will get us on the right track now. I'm very hopeful that I'm not the only one who's willing to pick up the baton of freedom. Because freedom is not free and we must fight for it every day. Every one of us must fight for it because we're fighting for our children and the next generation. If we're going to get America back on track, we got to vote Ben Carson. No matter of fact, go out and vote. I'm Ben Carson and I approve this message. Wow, that's real, real good. So apparently Ben Carson has blamed his staff for this and said that he was horrified, quote unquote horrified, by the ad that his campaign ran. And he says, I did not approve that. And when it came out, I said, why did you put that out? What are you thinking? I was horrified. He is not being genuine about that because I watched him with Jorge Ramos from Fusion, from Univision. Asking him a question about this exact ad from like December of last year, a month ago, and he didn't act horrified at all. He seemed maybe a little embarrassed, but he didn't say anything about 
Oh, oh my God, that's terrible. Where did you get that? Well, in the ad, you hear you hear him clearly saying, quote, I'm Ben Carson and I approve this message. Right. And when a reporter asked Carson about this, he said, well, obviously, but you notice no more of those kinds of ads coming out now. Right. So that means that he <laughs> did approve it. And now the ad apparently wasn't well received. And so right. he's saying, yeah, I was horrified by that ad well, again, that I approved and thought was a good idea at first. It is crazy ass pandering. Vote. I mean, it's vote. not enough that he's that he's black, that he that he might be able to expect or rely upon the black vote. It's how else do we get the black vote? Hmm, let me scratch my chin. I know. Terrible rap music. Vote. Vote. God damn. It's catchy. Wow. Pretty amazing. Yes. Pretty amazing. All right. We are going to end this episode as good as episode 190 finally was. We're going to end it with a little bit of asshole of today. Bringing back an oldie. It's the asshole of today. Who is the asshole of today, Brittany Page? Um, a principal. A high school principal. A high school principal at Edmondson County High School in Kentucky. All right. What happened? All good things come out of Kentucky. What happened here is Amanda Durbin, a 17-year-old senior at this high school, protested her school's sexist dress code and... Her protest was a response to a recent increase in females being punished for wearing leggings and dresses that were deemed too short. Right. And so she decided to push again to push back against what she perceived to be an unfair policy because it's only women who are being told this and it's leggings. You keep hearing this thing right. about leggings. If they're not see-through then what is the issue? It's just like yoga pants, right? right? Also, they're kids. Anyway, okay, so she decided to do this protest. Now, this was her protest. She selected a dress and leggings that her parents told her would be appropriate for her to wear to church. Right. (laughs) She said, Mom and Dad, is this good enough for me to wear to church? They said yes. She wore it to school. She ended up in the principal's office, and he asked her to get on her knees. Get down on your knees, high school girl, in front of me, the male authority figure. Goddamn. Yes, his name is Tommy Hodges, and... He's a man named Tommy. (laughs) (laughs) We should have used his name earlier instead of Randy. Tommy Hodges, everybody. So this this girl was asked to kneel before him so he could measure her skirt length. Kneel before me. Yes. (laughs) She said she felt uncomfortable doing so and requested her parents' presence because he wanted her to kneel on the ground in front of him so he could measure her skirt length. Right. I would be uncomfortable with that, too. I mean, obviously, it's demeaning, but I think there's other inappropriate innuendo there that he was completely either unaware of or aware of it and just went with it anyway. Right. So she requested her parents' presence and her request was granted, but she ended up missing class because she waited two hours for her parents to arrive and they wouldn't let her leave the office. Right. Because it's so horrible what she was wearing that she couldn't be seen in class. There wasn't even bare skin. She had leggings on. Right. So once her parents arrived, the principal forced her to kneel and measured her skirt, which met the dress code's parameters. The principal was not satisfied, and he asked her to walk across the room with her hands up and kneel once more for another measurement. Ah, uh, goddamn. At which point, the dress was deemed out of the dress code, and she was sent home. Asshole of today. Right. She says, I didn't really appreciate having to get down on my knees, especially while I was wearing a dress. It made me feel embarrassed and a little insecure of myself. This is a 17-year-old girl. Right. Terrible. At least her parents were there. I mean, that's a silver lining in this entire thing. So that's good. Right. So he needs to figure his S out. Yes, Because he does. this is ridiculous. Absolutely. Calm down. Relax. 
it's a dress and leggings. She could wear it to church. It's not a problem. Calm down. Right. It's not a mini skirt. Avert your eyes and control yourself the if you're having a problem. The isn't hanging out. There's no issue. Badges don't really hang anyway, but it just calm the fuck down. Calm down, hillbilly. Because clearly there's something was afoot relative to where they're from. Too short. Get your parents down here. We're going to measure. Or we're going to measure, as I used to say. All right, we're going to end it there, everybody. Thank you for joining us finally for episode 190 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. We appreciate your support. We appreciate your listenership. If you would like to support the show by other than listening twice a week, as loyally as you do, you can go to dollamore.com. And on the left hand side of the page, there's a support the show link. There, there's a link to Patreon, there's a link to Amazon, there's a link to PayPal. You could choose your poison and the method by which you'd like to further your support other than listening. We love you guys, we appreciate you, and we will see our Patreon supporters for the GOP debate tomorrow. The episode will be out. And for the rest of you, we will see you for episode 191 on Monday. We love you guys. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Uh, this is like God. This is so like God. <laughs> <laughs>